This podcast is created for farmers and powered by Pioneer Agronomy to bring you agronomic insights and proven solutions to fuel forward-thinking farming. Today in Agronomy on KFILAM AM 1060 with Pioneer Field Agronomist Allie Wise and Josh Schaffner. Here's Josh and Allie. Good morning, Southeast Minnesota. Today is October 21st. Josh, this is episode number 45. Um, we're moving well into the month of October here, uh, but nonetheless, when we pair the pace of harvest this year compared to last year, obviously sitting in a really nice place, which is great to see. Um, across the area, it seems like every day there's more and more coming out of the field. Obviously, the weather this week took a little bit of a turn, but unfortunately, that's just the time of the year that we're sitting in. So something that we naturally have to, to work through. What are you, you seeing across the countryside? Uh, yeah, um, overall, really good progress. Uh, it seemed like um, middle end last week, the big transition into corn uh, took place. And really, over the weekend, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, um, guys really hit their stride on corn. And as you make the travels, you can just see, um, you know, a lot of progress being made on that front, um, which, which is exciting. And I would say, you know, in the southeast corner alley, a little bit to the east, the, the, the viewing area, listening area, um, I think we're probably you know, knocking on a little more than a third, some maybe a little closer to half. I'm guessing West Alley, um, as you move West, I'm guessing you're probably seeing a little better progress than we are to the East. Yeah, I'd say we're sitting a little closer to that halfway mark, which, you know, certain areas of where I cover as we get West of 52, they naturally do tend to pick up a little bit more GDUs throughout the growing season than others. So naturally maybe ahead of pace of others, but regardless, like you said, whether you're at that third point pushing half or even greater, still a nice place to be sitting as we as we said, it's only the 21st of October. Um, but as we really started to, like you said, it's interesting as guys finally find their, their groove on corn, things can start moving really quick. And as we've been able to take more corn off the fields, uh, maybe just some general trends that we're able to share with everyone across the area from what we're seeing um, across the, the area. But first off, I'd say in terms of even you look at pace across full fields, our pace as we get our replicated corn sets off. We got about 32 locations, Josh, is that right? Yeah, 32. And, um, you know, looking at, we planted 70. Um, we have a couple um, that we're going to lose to a tornado uh, up there by the Twin Cities. So th- that's kind of strange. One tornado got two locations. Um, you know, we usually have a, a couple little mistakes that happen along the way, but I think we're going to get somewhere between um, 60 and 62 will probably be the final count. So I'm going to say with 32 in, we're probably knocking on the door of halfway. And, and Allie, it always is interesting when we get to 30 locations, um, you know, we have 10 hybrids in the set. So usually that usually sets our rank order. There's a couple that are pretty close. So maybe there could be a little bit of change there, but uh, the general trend of how the plots are going to end up uh, will be probably the rank order will be set. Now on the flip side, I always like to look at, we talked about this a little bit last week about, you know, at a macro level, how is the, the replicated set trending? Uh, last week, we mentioned we're maybe trending a little bit above the historic average or our highest year. Uh, which was back in 2017. As we get to 32 locations, Alley, that trend continues. Uh, currently, we're at a 241 average, which is four bushel above our high, uh, which was back in 2017. And um, it'll be interesting to see if that trend continues. However, Alley, we do get a lot of you know calls and uh, comments around there is some some extreme variability out there as well. 
Yeah, that's what I was going to say as well. I think, you know, a lot of maybe this hinging on, are you above your average? Are you a little bit low? Are you just on pace? You know, probably depends on where the rain clouds, where they needed to be at the right times of the year. And I think that's where we're maybe seeing the most variability. And then in segment two in general, we'll also be specifically talking about corn on corn and, and maybe what we're seeing across those acres. And interestingly enough, if you look at just the corn on corn locations that we have in our replicated corn set, they're at a two- about a 239.6 average, so a little bit below the overall average of the set, um, but likely, you know, in certain fields, if you're comparing your corn on corn acres to your corn on corn, corn on soybean acres, you're likely seeing a maybe a little bit more variance than that. Josh, is that a fair statement? Yeah, I would say that's a pretty fair statement across the the listing area, and, and whether it be east or west, that's probably a similar trend. And we do look at that being um, four bushel above that that high in in 2017. You know, hybrids have changed quite a bit, Allie. And the one thing that sticks out to me, and I liked your comment on them, but the top seven hybrids are all chrome hybrids, which is brand new technology that our growers are experiencing for the kind of the first time here uh, in the 2020 growing season. Yeah, and I just think. You know, the reason why we like to point that out is because for many, many years, folks have experienced maybe that lesser traded version being their top performing product. So it is nice to be able to say that we now do truly have a full lineup of options that you can confidently go to those corn on corn acres and know that they're going to be on pace uh, yield wise and holding up there agronomically. So I think from that position, it's just nice to have a full portfolio of products that you can place across a wide range of acres. Um, other questions from the field, Josh, as we maybe just talk about general trends across this set, I've just had a lot of questions on my take of is fungicide fungicide uh, paying this year? And I just like to get your take on that. Yeah, still a lot of, you know, comparisons to be made, but the general trend talking to growers, looking at data is uh, certainly it is paying uh, in a lot of cases, maybe 15 to 20 plus bushels, some cases even greater than that. Greater responses, maybe on the corn on corn in some cases, we'll have to whittle down that data here a little bit as we get going. Um, however, I think fungicide on corn and also not to, to change gears to beans, but fungicide in both crops appears to be having a really positive impact overall across Southeast Minnesota. Yep, same in my area. And like you said, not to go back to beans, but I think even that synergy between sometimes the fungicide and insecticide together um, has been been nice bushels as well. But when we come back in segment two, Josh, we're just going to dig a little bit deeper into what folks are experiencing across their corn on corn acres and the factors that are contributing to that. Welcome back listeners. Uh, Allie, kind of a fun segment one there, taking a look at uh, kind of the harvest and overall trends uh, across the region here the, uh, this morning. Um, as we roll into segment two, we mentioned, uh, we previewed, we're going to talk about corn on corn. And, um, you know, the last couple of weeks, I've had some questions, actually probably more calls on this than anything of, of maybe some struggles, corn on corn. Allie, some of these struggles we maybe saw or anticipated as we watched the crop develop through the year. Um, but I think we, I, I want to spend a little bit of time and go into maybe, you know, four or five factors here that uh, are maybe hindering some corn on corn performance uh, across Southeast Minnesota. So looking back, Ellie, you know, last year it was a struggle. We're having a great fall so far this year, except for I'm looking out my window in Zambroda with a lot of snow on the ground, which is unfortunate, not as much to the south, which is good. Um, but really, we late crop, struggle to get fall tillage done. And, and I think tillage for corn on corn is maybe one of the glaring things that's holding back some top end yields. Well, yeah, I think when you look at tillage specifically, so like you mentioned, in the fall, it was just hard to get that work done. And if you did, our temperatures were so cool that you really weren't helping yourself out with some of that residue breakdown. And then you flip the the page to a dry 2020 spring and you don't have that moisture in the profile to also help break down that residue. So if we look at just general situations where maybe 
we've seen more residue start to create some of those issues of some of these fields running off pace, you know, like we talked about, if maybe in the fall, you worked just a vertical tillage implement across that field, and then just came back just a single pass with a finisher, finisher. Um, it seems there's maybe a consistent pattern there to just there being a lot of residue that it's hard to probably throw off your carbon to nitrogen ratio, just contributing a little bit more to some of those causes. Any other factors around tillage that you think are, are predominantly coming into play? Yeah, I think that's when it really rolls into kind of the next two factors almost roll together. It started with that maybe lack of tillage in the fall. And as we fast forward, you mentioned nitrogen there. In some cases, maybe we went out there if we're relying on front load urea. Um, maybe we, we were vertical tilled in the fall. Maybe we had nothing. But if we spread that urea across those corn stalks and then we're utilizing, you know, maybe vertical till or the field finisher and incorporate that, you know, maybe not enough tillage, maybe not running deep enough, but a lot of that nitrogen got um, kind of mixed up in the residue, maybe not incorporated as good as it should be in a perfect world. Um, you know, the finisher should be four inches deep. All that urea should be incorporated two inches. Um, been a general trend of maybe getting a little bit shallower with those passes. You pair that with a lack of fall tillage. Did we get it incorporated? You know, did we have enough nitrogen? You know, maybe I think the rates this year, uh, corn on corn, where we're seeing, you know, maybe some uh, more aggressive end rates seems a good response. But if you take the lack of fall tillage, you know, maybe we weren't quite as much nitrogen as we could have had with the tie up and the residue. Did we have enough sulfur? wasn't incorporated well. And um, that, that's just a combination that we're really starting to see. And we mentioned as we we're, were picking up on these trends, it just seemed like August 1st, you could really tell some of those corn on corn fields were running out of nitrogen, maybe run out of sulfur. And then you pair that with a dry August and all of a sudden, boom, it just seemed like that, that corn on corn crop really melted during that entire month of August. And I just think that's a really good point because sometimes we start to ask ourselves, well, you know, I'm sitting at the same nitrogen rate that I've, that's worked really well for me in the past, specifically corn on corn, but this year it's just maybe not cutting it. And some of those fields are a little farther off than we'd like to see. And it really does come back to, to that nitrogen in the soil being tied up. And you look at the conditions that we've had that didn't favor breaking down that corn residue. And then, like you said, that dry down the stretch that didn't help with any nitrogen mineralization. And it really just didn't give us that punch we maybe tend to see carry us through the end of the season. Um, yep. But I think nitrogen, we kind of hit on just nitrogen rates in general, if they were you know, sitting where they needed to be, that's helped our cause. But what about on the sulfur side of things? How does that piece into all of this? Yeah, I, I think important. We talk about this a lot in the off season that we'd like to keep that, that ratio around six to one, maybe seven to one, depending on our organic matter levels of the soil. Um, in a perfect world, you know, those two got to be working in harmony. And, and in some cases, as I you know, talk to producers, maybe we're, we're still running a nine or 10 to one ratio, which, which I think might be holding us back a little bit. Um, yeah, it's just something we, we got to dial in a little bit. And we talked about the dry weather in August and, and lack of mineralization. Maybe we, we tied up some end and lost it in residue. We're also, if we look back to last year, you know, had some record rainfalls in, in 18 uh, and 19, which also, you know, probably really depleted and really flushed the system or is a way to say it that we probably came into this growing season with not a lot of free nitrogen to scavenge and and it just really seemed like um you know you put those factors together and and maybe look at did I use fungicide or not uh there in late July to manage some of that stress and um you know if we kind of go down that list then we missed the tillage we maybe had you know very mediocre incorporation of N you know with spring tillage and didn't do fungicide um you know if you pair all those things together if they all happened Allie those four things that's where it, it really seems like you know, we're maybe seeing some corn on corn fields that are, you know, 
50 plus bushel off the pace of maybe a field right across the road. Um, but those are some things we want to be thinking about. And, and other things, if we are going corn on corn next year, Ali, you know, just really being, a, being, being on top of things and getting that fall tailage done as soon as we can will be something that's really important as well. And I think you've worded that really well. I think it's important to remember that it's maybe not just one factor that's throwing everything off pace. Like you've mentioned, it's kind of that compounding factor throughout the entire season that has gotten us uh, to the point that we are in some of these fields. So we do have to take a look kind of way back to maybe when some of this started and how that carried through the season. I think in general, you just look at greater corn residue heading into that season. We know that's going to create some moisture variation in the seed bed as well, which could have contributed to some differences in emergence and uneven stands. You pair that with just the interaction between the residue and the available nitrogen and how that's piecing into this whole story. And it tells a lot. Um, But when we come back next week, Josh, we'll continue to talk about uh, trends we're seeing from the field. If you have any questions, please let us know. You've been listening to Today in Agronomy on KFIL AM 1060. If you've missed part of the show or want to hear more, check out the show page at kfilradio.com or with the 103.1 KFIL app. Stay connected with Allie and Josh on Twitter. It's at Allie G-Wise, W-I-S-E, and at Josh Schaffner to submit your questions for the show. Tune in next Wednesday for the next Today in Agronomy on KFIL AM 1060. We'll see you at 11 a.m. Thank you for listening to this episode from the Pioneer Agronomy Team. Be sure to visit pioneer.com backslash podcasts to access additional episodes and learn more about our extensive on-farm data and innovative digital tools that are fueling forward-thinking farming.